Digital 410 Productions proudly presents the What's in Your Head podcast. Digitized live from the ACT Computer Studios in Cape Coral, Florida, it's the What's in Your Head podcast with your hosts Gordon and Don Abernathy. What's up, what's up, what's up, OG5? It's another Monday and we're here live. I'm tired as all get out. I just came from a three-year-old's birthday party. How's that for kicking off a podcast night, trying to organize shows, trying to organize guests? It's been a long work day, but hey, you can't complain about free cake and three-year-olds. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? Actually, I think you could probably complain a lot about free cake and three-year-olds. Well, if you do, uh, you're year. kind of a jerk and an ass, are we not? I mean, you can't complain Didn't about say your three-year-old niece. I was. I'm just saying, you know, there's somebody out there that would, right? Spe- I'm doing okay. Speaking of somebody out there that could, David Post may know him on TikTok. If not, you need to go follow him on TikTok. He is on TikTok. His TikTok handle is at NextOutPost. And Mr. David Post joins us tonight because he's on a very interesting and well-intended awesome plan which i have a lot of questions about but uh without any more further ado mr post how are you doing tonight sir i'm good very well tonight <laughs> tonight for having me <laughs> yeah so um i found you on tiktok a few days ago uh, maybe like a week ago and um okay. you have decided to travel to walk walk across the country to raise money for saint jude and I guess my first question is, is how did this whole adventure idea come upon you and uh, what's motivating you to do it, sir? Uh, well, honestly, uh, maybe walking wasn't like the best decision <laughs> now that I'm out here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, first of all, I've always wanted to, to travel uh, for years and there's been a set of circumstances in my life where, you know, my car got totaled. I was going to get laid off, you know, just a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, just happened to me that uh, gave me the opportunity to start this. And I wanted to do it for a good cause. So, you know, the best charity I knew, the one that's actually, you know, meant something to me was St. Jude. So I'm trying to spread the word and, you know, support them as much as I can. So basically you took a circumstance that was out of your control and decided to take it and make it, take it back control over it and do it for a good thing. Yep. Lemons to lemonade. There you go. Um, now you were talking about how walking may not been the, the first choice or the best choice prior <laughs> to doing this. Were you into fitness at any level? Oh yeah. I, um, work out pretty regularly. You know, I'm pretty, uh, active. Like, uh, my job was, um, was, uh, very, uh, physically intensive too. So, you know, I go out hiking. So I, I, I felt as though I could do it, you know, where, where was your starting destination? What state did you start off in? In Connecticut, I'm actually from uh, Meriden, Connecticut. Nice, right in the center, right in the center of the state. And where is your final destination? It's gonna be well, <laughs> the Pacific Ocean. Well, I, I, I get that, but are we talking Washington <laughs> State, Northern California, Southern California, uh, Southern California. Have you ever been to Southern California? I have not been west of the Hudson River until recently. <laughs> now, with your plan, I guess we'll. For, uh, how many m- months do you think this is going to take you? Well, at first I thought it was going to be four to six. And now that I'm out here, I'm thinking it's going to be a little bit longer than that. It definitely um, will. I know there was a, <laughs> a group who just did it. Um, it took them about 11 months, yeah. but I figure where you might have the advantage is they had two people plus three dogs. Yeah. 
Exactly. And yeah. I, and I figure you by yourself, you know, you can get up and go, and mm-hmm. you know, you can move at your own pace. You're not worrying about the dogs. You're not worrying about you know traffic and having other, you know, other people to keep up with you. So I figure yeah, exactly. maintaining your own pace, you probably get it done quicker than they did. Yeah, that's I would what think that's that. What I'm um, thinking. Yeah. Sniffing dogs would double the time. Yeah, because you gotta, you know, make sure that they're fed, and, you know, give them water, all that. For and then me, I'll stop at every. I don't tree. even have to take care of myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I can just keep walking. Well, even more importantly, though, um, depending on the size of the dog, one of your strides is like six of theirs, and you have yeah. shoes on, and they don't. Now, this particular couple had their dogs in a stroller, but once again, now you're pushing a stroller, the wheels only move so fast, and so all that stuff adds up. Yep. Now, are you? Now, I saw some interesting video. It looked like you were kind of doing some creek walking and going through the woods. Are, are you maintaining, trying to go along like major U.S. route, uh, like highway routes, or are you just going where your feet take you? Yeah, I'm mostly trying to go through um, the U.S. routes, you know. But um, honestly, I uh, I put my route through Google Maps, and that's what's uh, <laughs> that's what's um, taking me in my path. So. You know, but mostly it is uh, just the U.S. routes. Now, you and I, we talked a little briefly before you came on the show. And I and one of the questions I have, um, just for you, a little background that I do is I'm a World War II reenactor. And so probably about three to four times a summer, I'm sleeping under a 80-year-old piece of canvas on the, on the grass, basically in a tent, just anywhere set up. And there's some nights, you know, especially after work or whatever, you're setting up. And there's sometimes you're, you're like, oh, you know, I'd rather be sleeping at home in my bed. We just have different thoughts. The first night you set out on this adventure, now I know from watching some of your videos, you do have a tent. And then like tonight, you um, found yourself in an Airbnb, which we'll get to momentarily. But the first, well, first day, how many miles did you put in on your first day? My first day, I put in about 20. It's probably my uh, weakest day, honestly. No, but, you got- uh, as far as the um, get, getting down and sleeping, I had I had no issues at all. I just set up the tent, you know, and just lay down and went to sleep. I was tired at the end of it, so. So I guess I the, go ahead, Gordon. How heavy of a pack are you carrying? Uh, my pack is around fifty pounds. That's a lot of huffing. Oh yeah. Well, and, and when you're, well, you kind of answered my question. When you're so exhausted, you don't have the <clears> the luxury to think about. Oh man, I don't want to be here. You're just more worried about getting to sleep. But um, <laughs> the other side of that, though, is no matter how exhausted you are. Depending on, you know, obviously when you're hiking across country, you, you're limited on your necessities and your luxuries. You, you're lucky if you have a yoga mat. Um, mm-hmm. And if you don't, because I've been there many times, as tired as you are, uh, about four or five hours into it, every little rock, every little root, every little lump on that ground, it'll wake you up. And you'll spend like the last three hours just tossing and turning like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah even I, I've got an air mattress, uh, three inches thick and. uh it's it works wonders and I sleep great, but like sometimes when I'm on top of a rock or something, mm-hmm. you can definitely still feel it. Do you, have you noticed since you started doing this that there's something about sleeping outside, even on a bad night where you're fighting a rock or you know your air mattress isn't inflated all the way? There's just something about sleeping outdoors and even on the ground. It just it rejuvenates you. Just unplugging from technology, mm-hmm. even if you're on your phone before you go to bed. Just something about sleeping outdoors. And the oxygen from the plants, you know, the dew in the morning, it just, it brings you back to a place that a lot of people haven't been in a long time because most of us spend all our time sleeping in, you know, air conditioning or heating if it's the winter time and, and luxury of beds and, and showers and all that. There's just something about being outdoors all day long. It just kind of resets you 
Have you experienced yeah. that at all? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very natural to be outdoors and it feels good, you know, like even just the smells, you know, it does re like revigorate you, you know, reinvigorate you. Connects us to our primitive nature. Yes, I agree. Where we, where we come from. How has the random person on the street taken to you and your story? And, uh, for example, I know from watching one of your videos, you you came across a church, you're kind of needing to charge your equipment and they said, have at it. Anything you need. Mm-hmm. Has it so far? Go ahead. So far, like everyone that I've come in contact with has been wonderful. Like everyone asks me if I need anything, or you know, and even if they don't, they don't bother me. You know, even if I'm doing something stupid, like outside of some business, just laying down or something, no one, no one gives me any issues, no hassles, and just I don't know, just the generosity that other people give me is is I don't know, it just feels great. Now, don't let me put words in your mouth, but I would think as a social experiment, living is what you're doing, basically rambling from town to town, making your own way under your own power, and just meeting random strangers. Because every you're once again you're by yourself, and as your TikTok audience builds, I'm sure you know people will meet you along your route. But you know, right now you're basically relying off of your yourself and strangers. Is it me or? Is everyday life nothing like the showing in the news and on TV? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, it always it's always so much worse out in the news. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, and when I'm out when I'm out here, I I just like I'm I can't see that you know there's this much bad in the world. You know, it's like I I don't see it at all. Yeah, and, and when you take time away from the news, and, and I've done so, and Gordon's done so, and then you come back and you're watching, and you're like where are they shooting this? Because I'm not seeing this in the representation of my real life. All yeah, the stuff yeah. that says going on, you know, between, you know, groups and people and this and that, I don't experience it. Where are these oh, little pockets that they're setting these cameras up that they want the rest of the world to think the United States is this rampant anarchy and people wanting to, uh, hurt them, hurt each other because we all have different opinions and ideologies. It just, in real life, it's not the case. And it's probably refreshing. I would assume just to, turn off that crap and just walk and just experience America as it truly is. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted is to experience America, like the good and the bad. And like I was telling my live stream today, uh, a little earlier was, uh, they were talking about, Oh, be careful in the South because, you know, just because you're a person of color, you know, uh, you know, they won't like you or something. And I'm sitting here like, even in, I'm, I'm 27 years old and not in, ever in my life have i ever experienced anything because of the color of my skin but i do live in new england connecticut so you know i don't know and and that's a good question too and um i don't know maybe i'm wrong i'll just come out and ask you in your community in the african-american community do any of your friends family members or anybody express the concerns that the media want the rest of the world to think that the the those concerns are being expressed in that community or is it just like or 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 are you like us like where are they coming up with this shit yeah it's n- not at all in in my family or any of the people that i know we don't we don't listen to all of that crap yeah, it's just it's just, it's just just hyped up right yeah to make money it's it's yep. insane and no uh, and i i agree with you wholeheartedly i mean i'm in florida i'm you can't get more dirty south than here and <laughs> i go to small towns and i you know, I have a Hispanic daughter. I don't experience any of that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's so confusing to me how the media across the board is just they want everybody to think that this big division's going on and and no one sees it. They're yeah, driving. Well, at it. least I don't see it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and according to their rules, if anybody should see it out of the three of us, it would be you, and especially someone <laughs> who's walking from town to town, like, yeah. um, you know, it's probably before your time, but like a cane on a That's exactly what I was Kung Fu. Kung Fu. <laughs> Back in the 70s, there was a show. Um, what, what the Carradine. Hell? Yeah. Carradine. Carradine, who is actually, a, he's an Anglo. He played the role of a um, Japanese kung fu master who traveled from town to town in the 70s and in every episode there's some town he wants to kick his ass and he has to beat everybody's ass in the entire town even though he's not looking for trouble and so okay here you are traveling like Kane, and according to you know the world you're supposed to be experiencing all the problems with the townies and like you said everybody's welcome and opening saying hey charge your phone do what you got to do yeah which is really nice and, and, and another thing is uh i'm in pennsylvania right now and uh not long ago, I was uh, walking, and um, I went past this uh, family who were just in the backyard, you know, doing some target practice. Didn't think anything of it or nothing, you know. But me coming from Connecticut, we don't have that around there, you know. <laughs> so, you know, but it was really cool, and I was happy to see it, too, because I was like, yeah, that's freedom, you know. I, I wish more people, you know, were able to just sit in their backyard, you know shoot some guns and just chill, you know? And the fact that you said their families out there, that is the most important thing. And, and Gordon and I, yes. we'll, you know, we're both brothers and we're from Kentucky originally. And okay. I think our stepdad, who was a Marine back in the day, I mean, he taught us how to shoot shotguns. Um, you know, me, my mom and my brother, we would sit out in front of her front yard in Kentucky shooting pistols. It was brought into our lives early, not just for the, you know, sake of shooting guns but the more importantly was the gun safety and that's mm, the yeah. biggest problem nowadays everybody's like oh the biggest problem is is guns guns no the biggest problem is lack of gun safety lack of education yeah uh, education is the biggest thing i think that we as americans all all of our kids should learn it in school well maybe and, not and we did nowadays but i don't know <laughs> when i was in elementary school there was gun safety classes they didn't have a gun there but they the um Basically, the officer who who handled wildlife, the wildlife guy, would come in and he would discuss how to handle them. What you know but, happens if you see one all the way down the uh, down the road, and I think that is something that's missed. Instead, it's you know it's 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 preaching fear. You know we got to yeah. be afraid of this, and yeah. and and I think th- that's the biggest problem right now. Is and <clears throat> I want to be off this kind of quick because I'm just so tired of it. But it's the victimhood nature that's going on out there. It's you got to. You know, you got to do your own thing. I, I, I was robbed at gunpoint once, and then our house was broken in. And in 2016, I looked at my wife and said, no more. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. I do not like being made to feel like a victim. So, you know, we fortified and we took some classes and and, and all that and, and got ourselves uh, where we need to be. And to Gordon's previous point, 20, 20 short years before him being in school, when my father was in school, they actually had rifle classes in high school. Um, I was in middle school in the nineties in Ohio. Now they had done, gotten rid of it from the boys. Cause you know, boys are bad, but they still had girls archery class and gym class. We weren't allowed to touch it, but the, the girls were still allowed to shoot bow and arrows. And this was in the suburbs of Columbus and, but mm-hmm. they hadn't phased it out yet. So there was still a little bit of reminiscence in the um, curriculum at that time, in the nineties, at least for the females, they were still shooting bow and arrow in middle school. We weren't allowed to, but, but they were. <laughs> 
you know, I, th- I think it'd be a, a step in the right direction if we did have more education and, you know, because I do feel that people need to be able to defend themselves. You know, you need to be able to rely on yourself, take responsibility. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, we have more weapons in the community than we did back in the 1800s and early 1900s. And clearly, they're more sophisticated. But my point being is, everybody says, well, it's all these children around guns. Kids have access to guns. When we had settlers traveling across to, to claim their land, all the farmers had shotguns. Yeah. Granted, there may have been black powder or what have you, but all their kids were around them. Once again, they were taught. They were educated not to – they weren't toys. These were used for defense and for hunting and yada, yada, yada. And so you can say, well, we have more guns, which we do, but the population was less back then. So it may have been somewhat equal, but the fact is it all comes down to education. And yeah. I think being outside, mm-hmm. what David's yeah, doing, it's going it. to uh, keep you in a better headspace mentally, you know? How yeah. how far south are you planning on coming on your route? Um, I think the, the, the southern most that I'll be is probably in Texas. Okay. Maybe, maybe Dallas. Oh, and actually no, El Paso will probably be the closest, but so I do want to, yeah, I do want to go to the border just to see it because you know, no one else wants to go there and look at what's going on. So I'd like to see it with my own eyes. You're so you're going from Pennsylvania to Ohio next, Ohio next. Yeah. Then Indiana and then Southwest. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah south Southwest. Yeah, because I was thinking it wouldn't be conducive for your travel time to go as low as Tennessee and Kentucky because there's just way too many damn mountains and uh, valleys, and that would slow you down dramatically. But yeah, Pennsylvania. You would understand real quick when your grandparents said, "I went to hill, I walked uh, ten miles of school uphill both ways." Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so yeah, Ohio to um, Indiana, then to Illinois, and then into Texas. Texas is going to be a long haul. Oh, yeah. I think that's what I'm the most worried about, honestly, because everything uh, east of Texas is civilization and everything on the other side is like desert and desolate. Yep. <laughs> yeah, get your water packed, get yourself yeah. a... Well, he has, you, you do have that. purification kits and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, because I've driven across country three or four times. If I haven't walked it, you're, you're, you're crazier than <laughs> I am. But, yeah, once you get outside of Texas, then up, up, coming up next is the Badlands, and it's just going to get hotter and hotter. Gordon yep. lives out in Vegas. I'm down in Florida, but um, yeah, there may be a little. <laughs> when you get to the um, around Texas, you're gonna maybe say, "I wish I would have planned this a few months earlier," because you're gonna be out there dead, dead right nuts of summertime. <laughs> yep. Well, so, I'm thinking it's gonna. It, well, it's gonna be. Uh, it'll be fall. Maybe around like um, September, October. Yeah, you'll be all right. Maybe around that time, so it'll be maybe five degrees cooler. I don't know. You know, it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> so um you had an interesting thing happen with your airbnb tonight which you shared on your tiktok yeah. why don't you go ahead and share that with our audience so yeah. they can enjoy the the um beautifulness of humility and humanity and what you're experiencing there yeah well i got to my airbnb everything so i just walked in you know like you put in the code or whatever and um i was doing my thing uh washing some clothes uh taking a shower and all that and then I uh, went outside to like uh, put some stuff like uh, out to dry, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to see uh, my host. His, uh, his name is Earl. He's a uh, he seems like he's a really nice guy, you know. Um, he's he's just telling me like he uh, um, he rents this place out, you know, like every so often, and 
Uh, he's got a, his own um, like tools uh, store he's got. And I was telling him about my journey and what I've been doing. And like, I guess he, he was just so taken by my uh, journey that he, he literally looked me in the eye, gave me a handshake and then went into his, his pocket, grabbed his wallet and handed me back the money that I paid for the Airbnb. Wow. That's amazing. I, I was so overwhelmed. Like I, I, there's like no words to describe that, like that feeling like that's yeah. too much for me. Like it was, it was, it was too much. Has any of the local media on your route picked up on your story and done any interviews with you or anything yet? Um, no local media, but, um, back in my, uh, home state, I did do as, uh, an interview on the news, uh, a few days ago for, uh, when I was at the church, but no, no local media, uh, as I've been going through. Now I know your first day you covered twenty miles. How many miles are you into it now? Have you been, have you been keeping track? Um, I am about one hundred and eighty miles right now. Are you using any tracking apps like Strava or anything? No, I don't have time for that. Well, the yeah, because well, I was going to say Strava's thing free. To charge. Well, uh, yeah, that it would <laughs> yeah, burn your exactly. batteries down. I was going to say Strava's yeah. free, and you could just start as you walk, and it would literally track everything. But that would burn your battery down. Yeah. What? How uh, how are you collecting the 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 funds for this um, for St. Jude? GoFundMe. Yeah, GoFundMe is GoFundMe. Excellent. Yeah. And now I went on your GoFundMe, and it just looks like it's uh, GoFundMe, and they, they just search for "Walk Across America" for St. Jude, or they search your name. What's the easiest way for people to find it? Uh, Walk Across America for St. Jude, and then you put David Post, and you should find it. Okay, and I know your um, goal is fifty thousand dollars. You're trying to raise. Uh yes. And I, I, people are donating. Um, I think I was looking earlier, you, you definitely got some cash in there right now. So it's, and you're, you're relatively still fresh into this. I mean, once again, you I, know, to- I know, which is surprising. Cause I, I put 50,000 thinking like, Oh, I'll, I'll probably reach it by the end of this. Yeah. But this support and everyone who wants to help, uh, St. Jude's and, and everything that they do, it, they're the, yeah, I guess they really, really want to support this. And I'm really glad for that because th- this is what, this whole thing is about yeah and saint jude is a great great cause i mean the work they do um well first and foremost the cases they see because they're all children it's just those doctors and the people who put that on are just well not to sound corny but they they are in fact saints um yes it's amazing i gotta tell you caleb and jacob (laughs) You know who I'm talking about, Caleb and Jacob, the spokesperson for St. Jude's, those kids on the commercials? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, I think, I'm trying to remember, I think Jacob's the new one. Caleb's been around forever. And the first time I saw Caleb on there, he looked a lot younger than he actually is. Now, and I worked in radio for five and a half years, and, you know, so I would look up to a lot of the guys who do voiceover work, commercial work, and I saw little Caleb coming out there, or little Jacob. I was blown away by his on-screen presence his his voiceover work and now the new one because sadly because that is you know they work with children uh caleb's getting older and so they're kind of yeah they're they're fostering his replacement but both of them are just they're mind-blowing at the quality of voiceover work and screen presence and delivering their message they do such a fantastic job Mm -hmm. (laughs) gordon you got any questions for our friend here so I, uh, I think, um, what you're doing is, is beyond phenomenal. And, uh, 
I used to do a lot of hiking out in Montana back when I was younger. And unfortunately, as an older guy now, I, I just think back pain. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, man, I, I, what, what you're doing is just incredible work. And um, how, I think Don kind of touched on it earlier, but what was the, um, and it, and again, it sounds like when the wheels fall off everything, it's, it's a good time to uh, do something like this, but what was the original um, start of this, this whole thought is it just, uh, and the walk across America. Um, was it something you've seen? Was it something you were influenced by or, uh, was it just like, I need to do something for it. What can I do? And then it just kind of, you know, came over time. Well, yeah, I've always wanted to, you know, be a part of something, you know, that actually helps people, but I've never had the opportunity or the knowledge to be able to do it, you know? And I was very influenced by um, by books I, I read when I was growing up, like a lot of fantasy, like Tolkien and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, I don't know, the adventure really spoke out to me. So if I, the way to merge that with, you know, a good cause, you know, that, that that's how this really came to be, honestly. You're walking but, through um, Middle Earth right now, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we said on this podcast many times, um, as I said earlier, I drove, well, before I moved to Florida, I actually drove from Ohio to California and back when I was in my early 20s just as an adventure with my roommate. And then I drove from Ohio to California to live there and then from California to Florida. But we said on this podcast, um, if you're in your 20s and you don't have a wife and kids yet, now is the time to travel. Uh, these yeah. are things that you will never have a second chance to do. And as much fun as, as much of an adventure I had driving it, the idea of what you're going to experience walking it, is going to be tenfold and there's going to be times when you're out there and it's going to start raining on you and everything else. And you're going to, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But I think two days later, even it's going to be early. You're like, you know, the suckiness makes it even more worth it. It it makes it all Mm -hmm. worth more worthwhile. You got to embrace that suck. Yeah. I've actually experienced that already. You know, like I've had days where I'm like, wow, this is awful. And then I'll get up right in the morning and they're like, Oh, I got to get going. You know, I got to keep going. And I think what helps me with that is I, <laughs> I really, um, you know, gave my, didn't give myself an out. You know, I didn't go out and buy another car. I quit my job. I left my apartment. You know, the only thing that I've got connecting me back is, uh, my family. Yeah. So, you know, and I can leave them by now. Yeah. Be there. So, Yes. So one thing I was thinking about is I've done my fair share of walking along roads uh, back in my twenties due to, you know, bad cars or whatever. And, and I'm sh- hopefully it's not as bad as it was in the late nineties and early two thousands, but there are definitely some areas where cigarette butts along the side of a road <laughs> looks like, um, like, like the shoreline of a lake yeah. or, 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 uh, or an ocean, you know, and, yeah. and the trash and realizing oh. how, 30 people can actually be is a little disheartening, you know, it, it, it is, but then you see all the, I'm, then I'm seeing all the good out in the world. So it's it, the dichotomy is kind of crazy. You do see a lot of the trash, you know, I see needles everywhere, you know, and really? it's bad, but you know, there's still a lot of good in people. So I think you yes, got to take that in, into account. You know what I mean? It's part of the balance, right? The, yeah. the compromise, I guess. If you yeah. Well, and with it being COVID, um, that was the other question I had when I was asking how far south you're coming down. It'll be interesting because you're going to experience firsthand um, how each state 
each city, each municipality handles their COVID policies. You're mm-hmm. going to see some where people are super strict. You can't walk in here without a mask. And some are like, okay, come see, come see. You got your mask. Cool. If not, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And I think mm-hmm. that'll be interesting to see too and how they yeah, affect I, each I economy. Yeah, I was interested to see that as well. Just in, in not only in COVID, just a whole bunch of different, like uh, different cultural, you know, mm-hmm. well, between states, how they uh, do things. Your regionalism, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so far, um, it's all been uh, the same as Connecticut. So this, w- w- as far as COVID in the mask, so, you know, you got to wear it when you go in the store and all that, you know. It'll change when you get to the other side of the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got 10 minutes left. Um, a couple things. One, the thing I realize, and you're really going to experience this since you're walking it, and it's been a long time since I made that drive, but one thing that will come out of this for you is whenever you hear people talking about urban sprawl and overpopulation, you're like, there's plenty of middle of nowhere out there. I've seen it. I've been through it. Thing is, I I was saying that before I even had this trip. I was like, America is so huge. There's no way, no way. And then now I'm out here, and I'm like, there's there's nothing out here. Yeah, you know? there's more nothing than there is population. And and once and once you get out there, and the uh, light pollution goes away, and the sound of cars go away, you realize I'm out here, and I'm oh, on yeah. my own. I tell you yeah. once, what once you can really, really see those stars for the first time and the Milky Way, you will be floored. Oh yeah, it, that'll sure. be somewhere in the Midwest, I'm sure, but uh, or down south, uh, probably out in Texas, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. It'll be insane. One of the other things I've brought up on this podcast because um, I'm a street runner. Um, in 2020, even with COVID, I got 550 miles in. I try to do at least 12, 15 miles a week, and I've said on this podcast many a times. Um, a town doesn't become yours until you have walked the streets, you've ran the streets, you've skateboarded on the streets until you physically walk around your town. You know where the cracks are, you know, where everything is, you know, if you, you can live in a town for 20 years. And if you get up, drive to work, drive to the grocery store, maybe go to a bar, a concert, whatever, drive home, maybe go to city park. It's your town, but you really don't gain appreciation for it until you've walked the streets or ride bikes for a couple miles or clean up the roads until you're physically on until you're physically in your town, in your neighborhood, you don't have that same ownership. And let me tell you, when you're done with this, this will be your country. Cause you will know, you will have seen parts of it that no one has seen in years. And mm. trust me, like I lived in this town for since 2005 and I didn't start running until years ago, about five or six years ago. And I have seen more, back areas of this town and i'm also kayaking now too because we got like 500 canals down here because we live in a drain swamp but ever since okay. i've started running the streets and now kayaking the canals i feel like this is more my home and my town than it did the first 10 years i lived here where i just drove everywhere and went to work and went to school every i mean work every day so mm-hmm. you will definitely get the advantage of that and one last thing what kind of shoes are you wearing fella i am wearing a pair of cheap uh Sketchers, uh, waterproof. Really, <laughs> we got to get you in some footwear. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty cheap, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, but see, um, you're you got to protect your your equipment. One thing I, oh yeah, when I first talked to people about running, like, oh, I can't run when I run, I get shin splints, or my ankles hurt. It's your shoes. Um, mm-hmm. Being 210 pounds and six foot five, um, like I mentioned earlier, I use that app called Strava, and it'll actually. Um, track the mileage I get on my running shoes. I only wear them while I run. And then once they get to 300 miles, then I, then they get busted down to my gym shoes or work shoes. But 
when they're brand new, I only wear them for running because I, I find because of my height, my weight, that once they get around 250 to 300 miles, which goes quick, I too start getting those shin splints and the knee pains. And so as your adventure continues, and if you, when you start finding, uh, feet pain and knee pain and calf pains, um, you may want to try to upgrade, maybe, uh, maybe plan out a route and I'll give you a secret. Go on Amazon. You can get a pair of good running shoes that are like last year's model. Maybe Mm -hmm. plan out your route. Say, okay, I'll be in this area by Tuesday and just Amazon primary has some shoes because, um, you're going to need them after a while, especially walking day in and day out. I'm sure. I was planning on going through a couple pairs of shoes. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I was actually going to say, and this is just because I'm in Vegas. We should uh, we should guess how many pairs of shoes David will go through before <laughs> this is all done. I'm gonna say, well, it's a couple thousand miles. I, I'm serious. I'm gonna say six or seven pairs. I was gonna say five. Honestly, I'm, yeah. I'm with five too. Yep. So, I'm gonna say six or seven, and that and that's and that's you know a good pair that can hold up to weathering. Um, once you start getting water and then depending on how much, uh, like for example, down here, bushwhacking you do, you may want some boots. Well, not only that, but for example, down here, we live in, uh, the seashell capital of the world off Sanibel Island. So they actually use seashell in our aggregate for our blacktop. And so our, our, our tires wear down quicker on our cars down here because of that sharp seashell. And I know mm. in Kentucky and Ohio, they use limestone. And so it that all, you know, you're walking on concrete and asphalt all day. All that stuff's going to, all that stuff's going to calculate in, not to mention the heat. You're walking 12, 15 hours on a 90 degree, 110 degree heat, depending on, you know, the time of the year, all that stuff's going to come into play and you'll find your shoes may break down quicker than you anticipate. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. His name's David Post. You can find him on TikTok at Next Outpost. He's uh, walking across the United States to raise money for St. Jude. It's a very good cause. He's just wanting to raise 50 grand. Head over to GoFundMe.com and just search for Walk Across America for St. Jude. And then you can also include David Post in there. David, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Enjoy your Airbnb in Pennsylvania. And uh, Thanks for having me. What time does your morning schedule kick off when you wake up? Uh, usually uh, around 5 I get my tent set up. So since I don't have to do that, I'll probably be leaving at five in the morning. Yeah. Five. <laughs> yeah. I've got to beat that rush hour traffic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, for those of you joining us via uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube, you guys know how this works. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with the rest of the podcast. So you guys hang tight and we'll be back momentarily. And we are back with part two of the what's in your head podcast. Thank you so much to David post for joining us. That guy's got a long adventure in front of him. Yes, he does. I think he's going to be somewhere between six and eight pair before he's done. But uh, we will definitely see. Um, well, the other the other group of people. It's such a good thing that he's doing. It is, and it, and it will be life-changing and more than one. I mean, yeah, walking, experiencing the, the idea of raising money. But more importantly, um, especially since. You know, he's relying on devices and there's only so much battery power out there he can rely on. Um, basically, what it, what it truly means is the amount of um, time he has to think and to process all the things that he's, you know, these life changes that he's making and what he's doing. Oh, yeah. And oh, um, yeah. there's nothing 
that will make you think more than walking. Yep. So he's, you know, and, and I'm sure he's got a Rand McNally map in there, you know, Atlas in there somewhere mm-hmm. uh, just in case things go south. But um, no, man, I wish him the best of luck. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing him finish this on the West Coast. Yeah, I know the uh, the couple who were doing it for, uh, I don't even think they're raising money. I think they're just doing it just to do it. They were going through shoes pretty about every two to 300 miles and they were using they were getting high dollar uh hookah hookah shoes the running shoes that you see people wear and they were going through these things relatively quick so that's a lot of walking i was thinking back to when i was in big sky my first season and there was some guy from the south him and his buddy decided to climb the spanish peaks and he was only wearing um birkenstocks that's crazy it's insane it's insane, especially if you see how sharp those rocks are out there. And just you got to have good footing. You got to have good ankle support. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, when you're young and dumb, you, you do some some sketchy stuff. And we always that's you know that's funny. You you watch these things on TikTok about Gen X, right? And yeah. free range children, the last free range children. And I have to say, there's definitely something to it. How sad is that though? That we actually have a term called a free we've gone from a society where it was common place to lock your kids outside when they weren't in school and let them come back in because you know no, there's garden hoses to, to drink out of they'll be all right how many times have you been told to go play in traffic yeah <laughs> seriously so, so we went from a society where it was commonplace to lock your kids outside to now where we have phrases as free range kids and free range parents that that is an indicator ladies and gentlemen of how things have changed dramatically it is, and how uh, gosh, soft we're getting. But uh, nah, man, this young man, he's definitely not going to softer out of life. That is fantastic. Yeah, and I definitely think he's going to find out through first-person experiences that uh, things are nowhere as divided, especially in the real world, as far as you know how people treat each other, as the mainstream so, media want you to believe. If people would only realize the news is using them to make money because the type of people and it, that's really up in arms these days are those who really are kind of against people making money. Mm-hmm. So if they realize their cause celeb or their, their cause du jour, or at least of the last year is, is just, they're being used for it. I, I love think there's gonna be a pushback. I love the fact that like in the, within his first week, he just, as soon as he gets out of Connecticut, there's people plinking in their backyard. <laughs> I love that. It's like Teaching welcome, kids how to handle guns. Welcome I mean, to free America. The question is, is, was he walking alongside or was he on the opposite <laughs> of their plinking? I don't know. Um, I, I put out a TikTok because I had a thought uh, last night when we were eating Pizza Hut pizza. And um, I kind of came up with, a, a, I don't know if it's an epiphany so much, but we I'm 42. We grew up, I was born in 79, we grew up in the 80s, early 90s. And if you think about it, the fast food industry is relatively young, right? You know what's sad? Is I'm closer to 50 than you are to 45. Yeah. (laughs) I will be anyway this year. About the same, I guess. Anyway, go ahead. I'm just trying to pull up. Okay, so McDonald's was founded in 1940, but really didn't get mainstream until I think, what, like 55, 50s? Probably the 60s, I'm thinking. Yeah. So, yeah. Big Mac came out in the early 70s. So, if we think about it, if we say that fast food as we know it really started to birth its industry 
in the mid 60s, early 70s. It's not that it's 40 ish years old, right? And so you and I grew up around the industry growing up. Correct. And the only way you can create an industry and have a foundation is through quality of services and quality of customer support, right? And I had a realization that maybe the reason we're so disappointed with fast food nowadays is because we grew up in the time that they were trying to impress the nation with their goods, their services, and trying to build an industry. You mean before they turned into cafeteria food? Well, I was I had Pizza Hut last night, and I used to love mm-hmm. Pizza Hut. I worked at Pizza Hut. Worked it for it was like one of my first jobs. I used to fill the pans every night, put the dough in it. Had so much oil that my forehead would break out from my hat. I'd have zits all over the place. And the last few times, like for example, the, the I used to make the the um, breadsticks, right? Mm-hmm. You ever notice back in the day, the breadsticks never had a universal shape to them. That's because you mean that is basically cut up pizza dough. Well, because yeah, we would just pound up pizza dough. It was a blob, and you would just cut it up, right? Mm-hmm. I got my breadsticks last night. They were a perfect square, mm-hmm. and they had lines, but they weren't cut all the way through. This tells me that they came frozen, pre-configured, and or they sat up. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just sat up in a, in a pan overnight, right? Maybe they were in a pan. That's why they're perfectly square. But even the pan pizza. It didn't taste like the Pizza Hut we grew up with. It sure as shit didn't taste like the Pizza Hut I used to serve. And I got to thinking two things. One, obviously, with inflation, um, in order to keep prices down as low as they possibly can, they got to use cheaper ingredients. They water down the spaghetti sauce. It's probably not the same quality cheese they used to use, not the same quality pepperoni sausage, etc. That's one theory. Then the other theory is is... What the hell was that? <laughs> Sorry, I failed. Didn't turn off your phone. And the other theory is, have we gotten to that point now that we're 40 years into this, that uh, they're kind of resting on their laurels? They know, hey, we're McDonald's, we're Wendy's, we're Burger King, we're Pizza Hut, we're the standard. Where else I are you going to go? Have a, and maybe... The quality's gone down due to cost and the fact that they're resting on their laurels. Hey... This is who we are. Where else are you going to go? Or is it a little bit of both? That and, and the only reason I'm going to say this is, our parents' cooking isn't what we remember. Is it that maybe our tastes have changed and has gotten a little more sophisticated also? That that definitely can be. But like we explained last week in great detail, and you've experienced it with your TikTok you put up, I wasn't lying about that Wendy's chicken sandwich. First Wendy's chicken sandwich I've had... In six months. And it's on so par I did with a, a McDonald's on, McChicken, right? Yeah. So I did a little research because it was real thin. I mean, it's sort of had like chicken a Tyson's chicken. chicken patty. You get out of the frozen section yeah. at a grocery store. It's not. No, I, I did break it open and I did see some shape of muscle fibers, but I did. I decided to do some research and I saw I found a Wall Street Journal article from 2017. And this is the kicker that said. Wendy's was planning on spending $30 million to shrink the size of its chicken sandwiches because people were complaining that their meat was too rubbery, which made me think, did they change their cooking method? Did the quality of chicken they bought go down? It has to. Because I tell you, man, that chicken fresh out of a henny penny front, maybe that was it. Maybe their chicken was actually just sitting in the warmer too long. Um, 
was second to none. I mean, the Henny Penny Fryer is pretty much the same type of fryer that Chick-fil-A uses. I would be interested. I don't know if I could actually make this work. Here's a homework assignment. You and I should call our local Wendy's and see if we can get a tour. Oh, speaking of that, remember that call I made to the, the Wendy's corporate about them sitting on their timer? Mm-hmm. And they quit. They quit doing that. Now oh. they now they are like, they're not holding people. They're only taking the money at one window, and oh. people are just sitting there on the timer. I got this on video today. I haven't done anything with it. I went to Wendy's today. Only got two junior bacon cheeseburgers, and I'm sitting at the sign waiting to order. And just like you said, I noticed a car in front of me. Is at the second window getting their food, and it wasn't until she pulled off. Thank you for calling Wendy's. Thank you for coming to Wendy's. Can I take order, please? Put them in order. I, I would have been. Hey, can you all put a timer on this sign? Worse. <laughs> I pulled up, got my food. Uh, I sat there, start eating it. Sir, I need you to move. Got about four steps, bites into it. Hit me. Wendy's like, how's the hamburger? I was like, pretty good. And then the car behind me started pulling up. I said, don't worry about me. I'm just sitting here because I'm not going to participate in your timer scam. I said, I know what you're doing. I was just adding some time to your timer. Have a nice day. And I pulled off. I sat there and began eating my food. I told myself, I'm going to start eating. Did you video this? Yeah. Good. And I said, I'm going to start eating and I'm not going to pull up until that car behind me starts pulling up. And I and I have it. Oh, here we go. It's only, here, I'll just play it for you so you can hear let me fast forward to my, uh, okay. So I'm at the sign. No, I'm at the window waiting to get my food. Great pot, I know, but anyhow. Still waiting to get my food. I'm going to fast forward a bit. Fast you know, forward a bit. To the other side of your mic. Right, fast forward a bit. Still waiting on my food. So now I'm opening my, my cheeseburger. I'm eating it. <laughs> You're just taking your time. Watching the, the watching rearview mirror. Second bite? Second or third bite. How is it? Good. I'm just not participating in your timer game, so I was just running up your timer until the next guy oh, came up. <laughs> <laughs> then I pulled off because the car pulled. He's like, oh, "That's all right." Now, was that a manager or was that just a regular employee? That was a regular employee. But I, I've told him that before. I, you know, I'm so not... so they know you. That's your local. Yeah, but then we got four or five of them around here. I've done that a few of them. But yeah, it's just. But no, it's funny that you mentioned it. But anyhow, back to the chicken thing. Yeah, it, it's rubbery and it's just I don't know. They've not only lost the battle; they're losing the war. But are they though? Because we're all old. We prefer to cook at home now. The new generation, they don't know what they're missing out because, you know, my daughter thinks McDonald's is I mean, the greatest thing in the world. But when's the last it's time almost, you... It's almost like a gas station spicy chicken sandwich now. Not even just spicy. Just everything. All, all of it. I went to KFC the other day, and they just, they've only been open for an hour, but the chicken strips look like they've been sitting under the lamp. Not because they had, but probably because it had been a week and a half since they changed their fry oil. Hey, Timmy! Rewarm those chicken strips up from yesterday. Either that or they just don't change the oil and to, to keep the quality good. But, you know, and the good thing maybe is the fact that uh, it just reinforces why we should all be cooking at home. Stop going there and we won't be disappointed, right? 
So uh, the state of Nevada is doing something good in, on the unemployment front. They are now requiring people to prove that they've been looking for a job. See, I was talking to somebody this the other that, day. That was gone. Thank you. I'm glad you mentioned it because I've been doing some Ubering on the side to make a little extra cash. And I picked up a cat who was working down. He was just got don't off. Make, don't, don't make too much money. It may ruin your brand for being broke. <laughs> um, well, it ain't making that much money. But anyhow, I picked this cat up. He worked down at the um, the bar, well, the pier restaurant down at the Cape Coral Yacht Club, which is owned by the city. Okay. And I said, were you closed down most of last year because it's a city-owned property? He's like, yeah. I was like, uh, how bad did that hurt you? He's like, is there a ban? I made more money. I was making $1,000 a week on unemployment. I said, yeah, that's... You didn't want to go back to work, did he? That's why no one wants to work now. But by the way, I just got my letter in the mail today saying that uh, I should be seeing my next round of COVID money coming here soon. So look in the mail what, for... there's your... more COVID money? They passed it in March 11th, I think. Um, I, I, I just... That we already got... Oh, is that your uh, PP? No. Um, if you want to hold the microphone, I'll go grab my letter. I think it's in trash can. Talk. To That's the interesting. I had a. We received our last round of stimulus money recently, and I didn't think there was any more. But hey, whatever. Just keep wasting money, government. That's okay. If I get any more, I'll buy more firearms because you know Biden will love it. And that's what I suggest. Anybody who gets their stimulus money and you really don't need it to get by go buy yourself some ammunition go buy yourself some firearms maybe some accessories maybe get some of those uh pistol braces and get yourself a an ar pistol uh yeah i i think that's what we should do just to prove a point let's continue to make those gun sales go up via the stimulus money. Say, hey, Biden, thank you for the money. I'm buying guns. I think that's what we all should do. Notice day, April 19th, 2021. What's today? M- May 1st? I never even received one of them letters This ever. just got, came in the mail either today or, in the, or the or day or so. Is that a legit one? The white, Yeah, because uh, the last time I got one of these, I misread it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I never got I, never I got, got one, one before the last check. Notice huh. day, April 19th, 2020. Notice number... 1444C, English on one side, Spanish on the other. So how many have you received so far? Of these letters? How many checks? Um, every one of them. Three, three. or four of them. Three? Okay. Mr. Abernathy, <clears throat> very official, says the White House at the top. The White House, Washington. My fellow American. I guess I want to read this accurately. I got to be followed and read it like I normally would read (laughs) to sound like the president. But anyhow, my fellow American on March 11th, 2021, I signed in law into law, the American rescue plan, a law that will help vaccinated Americans and deliver immediate economic relief to hundreds of millions of Americans, including you. A key part of the American rescue plan is a direct payment of $1,400 per person for most American households. With a $600 direct payment from December, this brings the total relief payment to $2,000. Reread this in that last two sentences again. A key part of the American Rescue Plan is a direct payment of $1,400 per person for most American households. With a $600 direct payment from December, this will bring your total relief payment up to $2,000 to fulfill this promise I made to you. 
and this will help uh, get millions of Americans through this crisis. I am pleased to inform you that because the American Rescue Plan, a direct payment of $1,400 was issued to you by direct deposit, blah, 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 blah. This may be... See, and this is where it gets confusing because it, it makes reference to the last one, right? Yes, and that's what I'm going to go into the news story I just pushed it. Well, the one I got last time said the same thing, and I thought it was basically telling me I was going to have to pay taxes on it, but then I got another another deposit. So does this mean another deposit's coming, or is this just... It's a push. Uh, so according, and this is today's date, uh, CBS News, what's behind the push for a fourth stimulus check? Uh, the IRS has issued some... 161 million payments in the third round of direct stimulus aid with 2 million people this week in line to receive 1400 checks or 1400, the $1,400 checks, but some lawmakers are pushing a fourth round of stimulus aid that would effectively send recurring payments until the pandemic ends. So far, the federal, so this is going to keep people from wanting to work. Mm -hmm. So far, the federal response uh, to the economic riot, uh, caused by the uh, pandemic has delivered about $3,200 to each eligible adult uh, and 1200 via coronavirus aid. Uh, see March oh. 20th, 20, March 2020, 600 in debt relief. Here, here you go. Hold on. Not to cut you off. So this says April 19th, right? If yeah. you haven't received your payment with set within seven days of receiving this letter. So yes, according to this letter within seven days from today, which I got this, I should be getting another $1,400, which means so should everybody else. I don't like it. And I know that's going to make me sound cold hearted, but uh, at, at one point the madness has got to end. Yep. We need to spend money in better places. But if I do get it, as I was saying while you were gone, I'm buying more firearms. There you go, buddy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So it says right here, um, I am pleased to inform you that because of the American Rescue Plan, a direct payment of $1,400 was issued to you by a direct deposit. If you haven't received the payment within seven days of receiving this letter, which I haven't because I checked today. Please check on the status of payment by visiting the IRS website or calling the IRS phone number listed at the bottom of this letter. So you got to go to where's my stimulus check? Uh, yeah, you got to go to um, to learn more about this law and how it will work for you. Please visit wh.gov slash ARP. Uh, I would double check that because it should be the IRS.gov website. Well, that's um, that's on how to see how this law will help benefit me. Okay, so they're just signed President Joseph R. Biden a Jr. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a little. It's what it is. Is it's getting us closer to that uh, uh, universal basic income. Yep, and that's the plan. Which, I, I tell you what, if you can make more money than you currently make now, would it drive you to work more? Or would you, I mean, you're a different person. You're like me. You probably will keep working. But how many people will just say, you know what? I'm retired. You know how I knew socialism wouldn't work? Just look at history. No, way before then. Because I thought I came up with it in third grade. We have financial disparities in our family and where we grew up, right? Yeah. I and I remember in third grade laying in bed saying, why can't everybody just have whatever job they want and they all get paid the same? <laughs> so the fact a third grader thought of this wonderful utopia just proves <laughs> it doesn't work. Well, there is a certain group of people who, who say, do not forget about the wisdom of children. How many stories have you read where you got the guy hiking up the mountain with the exception of the golden child? <laughs> 
But the point being is most wise men, it's a wise old man because wisdom comes through experience. Very with with the exception of the Buddhist golden child and every other story and every other culture, wisdom is the old man or old woman because they have life experience. So not some toddler with snot running down his nose. Mm-mm. Hmm. Yeah. Remember so the remember the concerns of the helium crisis. Yes. Helium was on shortage. Helium is a non-renewable resource. Which was funny because it is the most abundant noble gas in the universe. What happened to that shortage? Well, I'll let you know here. Well, guess what Keep I just saw. Talking. We need uh-huh. good crisis, right? The media needs a good crisis. Well, right now it's COVID, but yeah. Well, we're, COVID's kind of starting to die, right? Oh, there's an a major chlorine shortage is set to spoil summertime fun for swimming pools. So this is the new crisis and shortage. We went from helium to, helium to no more kids' parties and heart surgeries. Now, according to MSN, a major chlorine shortage is set to spoil summertime fun in swimming pools. Oh, well, wait, before we move on to that, let me do a quick update. Is there still a helium shortage in 2021? According to this article from Physics Today, there is a current, the current supply situation, he says, is between ample and plentiful. Well, what happened? Unlike last year when some scientists were forced to shut down their superconducting magnets for lack of helium, researchers now report that they have no trouble getting helium. But if, helium. if it's a non-renewable resource and party cities still selling balloons, where did all the extra helium come from? Well, they're, they're blaming that the original shortage was caused by the U.S. monopoly on helium, which oh, caused a shortage. Oh, Oh, wait a minute. Trump was in office. That's why there was a helium shortage. Everybody was talking funny just so they could deal with him, I guess. Forcing others to turn to slightly using highly flammable hydrogen for their lifting gas. But today the Bureau of That worked out so well for the Hindenburg. Yeah, so um, it's not a problem right now. We we talked about this on the current episode of the What's the Scuttlebutt podcast, and, and Apparently in Texas in the 90s, they didn't commit in this um, atrocity to the environment that we did in northern Kentucky. And I know you remember this. Oh, speaking of that, we just had a power outage yesterday of about 10,000 people because of a Mylar balloon. Not Mylar. Remember when we were in elementary school? I think we did this in Ohio, too. It was very big in in the late 70s and early 80s. What you do, kids, because we didn't care about the environment or concern ourselves with even though we had Woodsy the Owl and the aforementioned Smokey the Bear. And the Native American paddling down the river. This went on for years, and I don't know who thought of this, but for those of you who are young, check out this atrocity and raping of the environment. Someone thought it'd be a great idea every year to get, it was probably the fourth grade class, or it could be the entire school. Let's say the entire school. A couple hundred kids. What you do see is you get some balloons and fill them up with helium. And then you get yourself a 4x5 flashcard and you write the address of your school and the student's name on it. And you tie it to said balloon. And then all the kids would go out on the uh, field and on the count of three they would release all these rubber balloons and helium into the atmosphere. The goal being whoever's balloon traveled the furthest and someone found it, probably in their cornfield, because it was Kentucky... And they actually took the time to mail back 
the 4x5 flash card with the return address, the kids whose card went the furthest and came back won a prize. This was something we did like multiple years. Did your class do that at all? Yes, they did. And I've actually pulled up a quick article by Gen X or Jennifer. It's called the Jennifer Chronicles. And it says, in 1983, students released balloons with messages. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live my life like every day's the last without a simple goodbye. And it all goes fast. And that's a quote by the Williams Brothers in 1991. Uh, during Twice, and according to this lady, twice during my childhood, I released balloons with messages. My classmates and I wrote the messages on a small piece of paper and tied them to a balloon before reaching them releasing them to the heavens. Unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what I wrote, but I, I recall b- believing my message would change someone's life. Yeah. Like the duck who I, ate it and died. For years, I wonder who received my magical spirit balloon, spiritual balloon. I was, I was sad to let it go, but more than keeping it, I wanted my message to change the world. Remember, this is back in We Are the World Times. Hands Across America, speaking of David posting Hands Across America. We need more stuff like that, unless it's BLM garbage. I was hopeful like that. Well, minus the destruction environment with our balloons. Oh, I'm I'm talking more like Hands Across America. I got you. Always uh, beautiful as a child. So, yes, it was a thing in the 80s. Um, Don't know what stopped it. Because people realize half those balloons went three and a half blocks away and ended up in the woods, creeks, uh, (laughs) natural environments for woodland animals and probably caused more pollution than any good ever to come out of it. Yep. I'm sure there's so many farms around northern Kentucky and Ohio that just had balloons stuck in their trees and their corn crop and everywhere. I mean, a couple hundred balloons twice a year. (laughs) Come on. now, there, one of the things you do see here once a year uh, down at the Gene Dry Lake Beds or near where we actually go, near where we go shooting is they'll uh, get hundreds of people together to light these lanterns that go up in the sky. And the question is, is, well, you know, I'm in a desert and shit's going to burn down. Are those flames actually out before they hit the ground? And I think you can do research. There is a website that like where all the reports of aliens are sent. And a lot of times there's a direct correlation due to parties and releasing of the Chinese candles with mass reporting of unidentified flying objects in the sky. Well, according to balloonsblow.org and that's balloons blow. Don't let them go. There are some mass balloon laws. Mass balloon releases are illegal in several states, cities, and countries. Releasing balloons and sky lanterns should be illegal everywhere because, after all, it is simply littering. And, and mm-hmm. I am with that. U.S. states that have laws, California, Connecticut, Florida, Tennessee, and Virginia. Uh, U.S. cities that have law, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, Alabama, uh, San Francisco, Louisville, Ocean City, Queens, Anne County, and Willamette County in Maryland. Massachusetts has got a grip of them. So there's actually some laws uh, going through. And, of course, California's got a great big penal code on this. As they should. Florida does not recognize any balloons as biodegradable. No. I, I, as someone who kayaks around 100%. here, I see them all over the place in the canals. But back to the previous story. A major chlorine shortage is set to spoil summertime fun. Saw that this morning. The very first sentence, the worst chlorine shortage the country has ever seen will set to rock this summer's pool season. Quote, it's been concerned for us, said Cody Salowitz, 
owner of Texas Pool Professionals, which has been in the business for 17 years. The Rockwall Texas-based company services 200 clients weekly. And Salerte, we'll just call him, said that he's recently began stockpiling chlorine tablets. He's also been looking into different chemicals to keep the pool sanitized for his customers to be happy. Quote, we're looking for anything that we can get that don't, I'm sorry, that we don't have to, um, God, I suck. Quote, we're looking for anything we can get that we don't have here in North Texas. He said, we've been to about six states and 15 cities for supplies. Here's a thought. Maybe it's time for people to start converting to salt water. Absolutely. So, uh, you ready for the news? Yep. Uh, hold on. The chlorine shortage has been widespread and is likely to get worse driving chlorine prices even higher, just like plywood and everything else. And, well, yeah, plastic's so bad now that the one dog food our dog likes so can't find anymore because they can't get the plastic containers. Hmm. Whatever happened to good old soup cans? I think we're going to see a resurrection of glass. Yep. Which well, will be better for us all. Yes and no, because I was watching something oh i was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how um the sands that are used for creating uh pure glass is starting to become a shortage and in 40 to 50 years we'll actually have a shortage of glass because of the sands that we use for oh that's what it was um when i was watching that show blown away on netflix it's that uh competition show, show about glass blowing they mentioned that in the future they're going to have issues with finding the materials needed for blowing uh, pure glass. Joining us now from the Digital 410 West News Desk in Las Vegas, Nevada, Gordon Abernathy. Gordon, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, but probably not as good as the people of New York. When are they ever doing good? In an abrupt about face, uh, in an acceleration of efforts to reopen New York, one guy who's on the ropes, one guy who's in a lot of trouble. Governor Andrew Cuomo announced Monday that they will be lifting all of the state's capacity restrictions by May 19th. Too little, too late. In restaurants, concert halls, balls, mu- balls, bars, museums, and theaters, including Broadway. The swiftness of the governor's timetable stunned the arts community. <laughs> The fact that there's much of which has been operating under the assumption that controls will remain in effect for more uh, several more months. Still, as far as the industry, such as Broadway, is concerned, the May date bears no relationship to reopening in reality. It's absurd. Which even Cuomo, a Democrat, acknowledged at this Albany and his Albany news conference on Monday, it'll take a number of months to get productions in shape for normal running schedules. Early fall has been widely discussed. And will probably be when they actually get up and running. But yes, or you can just of, say, "Hey, you're open now. Get started tomorrow." It's sort of like uh, Newsom. He, he's been on the ropes. He's in a recall. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, thank you, Caitlyn Jenner, for saying, "Hey, uh, trans transsexual boys born or, or transsexuals born as biological boys. It is unfair for you to compete against women and women's sports." That's going to put California in a pickle if he runs for she runs for governor. Quite literally, but uh, well, no, literally because yeah, as we know, and anybody you know, especially if you watch TikTok, um, your race, your sexual identification doesn't matter if you're a conservative or a Republican. And now, if you are against somebody who's transsexual, doesn't that make you a bigot? Not if that person is a conservative. Just like it does, if they're black, they don't count. 
That's just insane. Yep. So it'll put so, them in the pickle. The states of Nevada and California have recreational marijuana. Okay. Why is it that rangers find marijuana grow in Death Valley National Park? I would just... What would be the point of growing illegal marijuana? Because it's cheaper than paying at super inflated tax prices. Is, is it safe? Well, I know... it may, then it's Death Valley, too. I, mean, I don't know if it's on. safe, but I know down here from talking to people, like, to get your medical marijuana card... You gotta pay like two hundred and thirty-six bucks every six months to maintain it. That's why they have recreational. You don't have to worry about that. Anyway, Death Valley Federal Park Rangers have discovered a large illegal illegal marijuana grow in Death Valley National Park near the border between California and Nevada. Authorities said Friday that the forty-acre. Let me repeat that number again: four zero acres grow was found in a place, funnily enough, called Jail Canyon. A rarely visited uh, part of the canyon located on the western side of the Panamint Mountains. The illegal grow is one of hundreds that authorities have found in Death Valley over the last decade. Marijuana grow sites can damage or destroy parts of the national park. While California legalized marijuana in 2016, it remains prohibited on federal lands. And as we know, Death Valley is located roughly 200 miles northeast of Los Angeles Kind of the same northwest of Vegas. Speaking of which, um, as we spoke last week, Bailey got a boo-boo on her head and they had to give her some strong medicines, right? Bailey boo-boo. I don't know what's in this medicine, but now when she farts, it smells like someone's got a bud in their pocket in my bed. <laughs> she Her farts literally smell like a, little skunky a bud. Interesting. It's ins- I don't know what the hell's in this medication it got her on, but she smell. It smells like somebody has a baggie in their pocket laying in my bed. It's insane. So um, the next story, we've seen stories about toddlers falling in wells and, and other places. With baby but Jessica, Tennessee, but in Tennessee, and this may hurt you a little bit, a toddler was freed from an antique wood barrel. Damn, Jack Portland, Daniels. Tennessee. Not to be confused with Portland, Oregon. Fire rescuers, fire rescuers and medical sca- staff, Jesus, I must have drank too much, used a power saw and screwdrivers to extract he's, a toddler he, from an antique wooden barrel. He started to power be- saw me. Yeah, which he become uh, wedged during a visit with his grandparents. One Kelly Strubin and her husband took their two-year-old son, Dorian, to the emergency room after he got stuck on Saturday. So I'm thinking he's still stuck in the barrel. They just took the whole kit and caboodle in. <laughs> Sumner County Emergency Medical System and Portland Fire Department worked. I wonder if they had the bomb hole open staff. or not. <laughs> to free the boy. X-rays determined where his hips and knees and feet were. So imagine setting up a kid in a barrel through an X-ray machine. What was the song? Head to head, head toes, knee. Head, toes, knees, head, and shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes, knees, and toes. From what Struben told the station, his arms and shoulders and head stuck out of the top of the barrel, which allowed him to hold to onto a teddy bear. So you got a little kid stuck in the barrel with a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. We're going to use a power saw to cut some of the wood from the bottom of the barrel, and screwdrivers were used to chip away the top opening to make the hole big enough for his feet to fit through. First responders pulled the toddler out through the top of the barrel. Once his legs were straightened. So, yes, and you're wondering why are you telling us such a silly story? 
because as we all know, the world was on fire. Well, I thought now I guess it depends on the quality of barrel, but most vintage barrels, the rings do not have any, um, just about all barrels for that matter, don't have any sort of fastener on them because then it would puncture the wood and creating right. a leak. It's, pre- it's pressure, right? So all they would tend to do is just get a, a mallet and a chisel and knock the rings off and the whole thing would just opened up. Yep. So now we're going to move on to the great town of Naples, Florida. Nepal. <laughs> Remind me of that Jordash thing I saw. Jordy Ash. Yeah, uh, people are losing their shit. I have a feeling that chick's just trolling people and it's working. It is working. So a man was moving from Alabama to southwest Florida. Traveled hundreds of miles with a an owl stuck in his truck's grill. Oh, damn. The owl did survive. Tory Gray, he said he saw a vehicle ahead of him swerve on Interstate 75 to uh, avoid the great horned owl. But somehow he hit it and became lodged in the truck. Speaking of which, I had to pull a dead pigeon out of my wife's Subaru at one Duh, point in time. Uh, Gray said that he wasn't aware of the situation until he got to Naples, hmm. where he planned to live. Gray said that he saw the damage to his vehicle on the owl side, but he wasn't sure if it was still alive. Gray called a conservation... The Conservancy of Southwest Florida. Crow. You may know who they are. Yep. Used to do work for them. Which, uh, uh, is that also known as Crow? Yep. Uh, which sent a volunteer to help dislodge the bird. Eventually they did. Both men marveled at how the owl was in a good shape. Gray said the bird did more damage to the truck than to itself. All them feathers. All them feathers. And then one last thing. You've been to an airport a few times. Yep. You ever wonder what it like to take a ride on a conveyor belt? <laughs> no, not enough to do it. In Minneapolis, this uh, nine-year-old boy found out. Yeah. He found his way onto the conveyor belt, a baggage handling system in the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. Surprised that hasn't burned down yet. And was not injured, which is good. Because I remember seeing some of those metal things coming together. I'm like, oh, that's like knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, airport spoken spokesperson, Pat Hogan. Pat, thinking of the Pat spokesperson. Anyway, um, it's Pat. Said the, in- said the incident happened Ooh, early Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Saturday Night Live probably couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised that hasn't been canceled because of that show. Uh, Saturday afternoon, as a group of about 20 people were checking their bags for a trip they were taking, Hogan said initially no one in the group noticed a boy was missing. Minnesota, according to Minnesota Public Radio News. Uh, this was a lot. There was a lot of confusion because there was so, so many people in the group. They're all checking their bags, putting their bags on, and the kid decided to go for a ride. The police did find the boy in about five minutes, and uh, I'm sure he uh, had a stern talking to, but he was unharmed, and I'm sure he had a hell of a good time, to be quite honest. And that is the news. Computer Studio in Cape Coral, Florida. I had two sound effects running on the same board, so the volume sucked. Um, those of you who heard me on the Stan Haney show last Friday complaining about my trash not being picked up for eight days. Um, well, one, my trash finally got picked up Saturday. Actually, 14 days, but my trash got picked up Saturday. But two, you heard me talking, uh, busting Junior's balls about TikTok. And asked him if you follow me on TikTok and how I'm trying to get to 10,000 followers. 
Well, apparently today, Junior decided that he is going to get on TikTok, and he has told me that he'll have over 10,000 followers by the end of the week, which I say, ha. Oh, the gauntlet has been laid, huh? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, this will be interesting to see. But, yeah, don't let Junior think that he can beat me in the TikTok realm. So if you guys want to head over to TikTok and uh, search for me at Donovan410 or just go to d-410.com and click on the link that says social and you can find all of our links there. But that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the What's Your Head podcast. I have to leave, which is why I haven't been drinking. I got to go to the shop and get a hard drive because I brought the computer home to work on. I brought the CD that I need to copy said hard drive to on the computer, but I forgot the damn hard drive. So now I got to leave my office. Head down to at computers, pick up the hard drive, come back and work on that here tonight, which is why I haven't been drinking during the show. But anyhow, thank you guys so much. And as always, please head over to d-14.com. If you want to support the show, click on the Patreon link and buy some t-shirts and all that good stuff. And we will talk to you all next week. This has been a Digital 410 production. <laughs>